0: Hey, everyone, and welcome to Outside the Walls. My name is John White. I'm Casey McDonald. I'm
1: Steve Reeves.
0: And today, the three of us want to discuss a, a subject that was submitted by one of our listeners, Mr. Devin Stewart. Uh, he submitted our first question and wanted us to talk a little bit today about the subject of persecution, especially as um, it has evolved over the years from this first century to now. So that's something that we're going to take some time to talk about today. <laughs>
1: That's right, and, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of interest in this subject today because obviously uh, we recognize we're living in a very different culture, and our culture has become increasingly secular here in the Western world. And uh, not only have we gone from a a condition in which many people were apathetic towards Christianity, but we've actually gone to a, a state where people are hostile towards Christianity and towards people of faith. Uh, we may not always recognize it in terms of physical persecution, but it is definitely there in terms of uh, of um, <clears throat> thought police, uh, attitudes, uh, the prevailing moral current, and these types of things. So, I think we're going to talk about that a little bit today. And uh, pardon me. I recently uh, preached a sermon about two weeks ago um, as we've been going through the book of Acts. And uh, I looked at Acts chapters four and five in the beginning of persecution within the early church. Uh, The scene there was uh, after the healing of the lame man by Peter and John in Acts chapter 3, how the uh, the uh, chief priests, the Sadducees, and the temple guards had arrested Peter and John and put them in prison. In fact, Acts chapter 4 verse 3 was the first time we find in the book of Acts persecution being directed towards the disciples. Certainly was not the last, but it was the first time we find them being imprisoned, uh, holding them to the next day when they would be put on trial. Well, let me just ask you guys this, this question. What are some ways in which you think Christians today are suffering from persecution? Is this something that you believe is is really uh, an issue that uh, is paramount in today's society.
2: Yeah, I definitely think that uh, you mentioned, you know, maybe different than what we see in the scriptures uh, in some places of the world, but there are certainly some places in the world that are experiencing physical persecution uh, where Christianity is uh, frowned upon, uh, where it's not accepted as uh, one of the religions of the society, uh, the government. Uh, does not condone it and um and because of that they might it might not necessarily be a physical persecution but they might you know put some sort of economic sanctions on uh, Christians uh, it might cause uh, issues in their workplace mm-hmm. um, if they're if they're not able to uh, maybe advance uh, they might be ostracized um, relationally by their family uh, or their friends yeah so, <laughs> uh, even if they're not taking out Christians and beating them which certainly happens I mean, you know we we see that those gruesome images on the news um, of of Christians you know being physically persecuted, but there's certainly other ways uh, outside of physical persecution that it certainly goes on. And some of those even in even in our country.
1: Yes,
0: yeah. I I, I immediately thought when you said family, I thought of uh, Julie Broyles, our missionary in Cambodia, who you know she she runs a school there. And they work with a lot of uh, young people. And the one thing that she said uh, last time we got a missions update from her was a lot of these uh, kids who are there that are learning. They're also learning from a scriptural standpoint and they want to follow Christ. They want to become a disciple, but they know as soon as they do that, um, a lot of them, their families will, will just say, you you don't exist to us anymore. You know, you're exactly you're and, and that's. I mean, obviously that's a real big physical persecution because you're cut off from your family and from all of the support that that brings. Um, yes. As far as in America today, I I think um, the type of persecution that we face now is it, it's easy to understand if you ask the question, you know, who have you talked to about Jesus lately? And you start to think about if I would even told some people I was a Christian, this there's this feeling of like, well, that immediately says XYZ about me, you know, that, 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 that means I think this way or think that way. And you're immediately nervous about even telling people that even though that's what the great commission is, is, is go and tell people about me. And, you know, you, you, this, this prevailing sense of like, I don't want to say anything about that because people get upset immediately, whether they know me or not, or whatever they think about me is, is just, there's this default position about the faith.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I think. I think there's a real contrast here between uh, where we find ourselves as Christians today and what we find in the lives of these early disciples who really did not hesitate to stand up for their faith even in the midst of opposition. I mentioned here Peter and John in Acts chapter 4 as really the first persecution begins when they're placed in prison. They're taken before the Jewish council, and uh, they are asked the question, in whose name have you performed this miracle, going back to the healing of the lame man in the temple? And um, they, they said, um, in the name of Jesus. And they're commanded to not teach or to preach anymore in his name. They continue to do so. And then they're brought back, and they said, we, we told you not to do this. But I find it interesting they make the statement, we cannot help but to teach and to preach about the things that we have heard. Mm -hmm. And I really think that's where we find ourselves today, guys. Um, You know, even though it is not a politically correct thing, and we live in this world of political correctness, whatever you want to interpret that uh, to mean, but um, as Christians we still, there should be this conviction in our lives, I feel, to where like the early uh, disciples, we cannot help but to tell about what we have experienced in our lives. And maybe that's a part of the problem is, is that we, in our own lives, have not experienced the degree of transformation to where we cannot help but to talk to others about it, regardless of what the consequences might be. What do you think about that?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, deciding beforehand uh, the way that we're going to interact with somebody I think is is very important. Um, and just thinking about if I'm if I am put in a certain situation uh, where somebody is questioning my faith, um, uh, trying to go through that. You know, mentally, you know, how am I going to respond? Uh, because a lot of times, at least, whenever I think about persecution, my mind goes to this. Um, you know, maybe persecution on a on a government level, uh, where you know it's a it's a government that is um, that is pressing down on Christians. But sometimes it's it's not. Maybe a lot of times it's not. You know, I think about the physical kind of persecution in our country, and you know. School shootings is something that comes to my mind, and you know, uh, I think it was back in uh, when the Columbine shooting happened. Yes, uh, you know, the the question was asked by the shooter. You know, are, are you a Christian? Do you believe in Jesus? And so, from a physical standpoint, uh, you know, even in even in a country where we have the freedom of religion, that physical persecution to the point of death is still uh, you know out there in a in a reality and a possibility. And I think asking ourselves the question, if I am put in that situation uh, where where my faith is questioned and I, you know, very literally have a gun pointed at my head, how am I going to respond? And and trying to think about how you're going to react in that situation is very important. I mean, I think back to when I was a teenager uh, and, you know, thinking about, you know, how you're going to react whenever you're uh, – You know, pushed with certain temptations, uh, trying to put yourself mentally in that situation and turning that temptation away and that that exercise of of mentally um, imagining yourself rejecting this. Uh, is is a very important thing. And I think the same goes with persecution. How are we going to react whenever our faith is questioned, whether that's through uh, physical persecution or or even economic um, uh, career-wise? How mm-hmm. are we going to respond? And just uh, trying to play that out in our heads I think is important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, but I have a
0: question for you guys because, you know, I mentioned this, this idea of like we're – that feeling of, I don't want to say anything about this. And, and there's this natural, like on a cultural level, there's, there's this thought process. Oh, you're a Christian. So that means this. Um, and, and when I think about like the Columbine shooter or, or anybody that has this sort of hatred for churches, is there a point at which we have fallen away from what God has taught us? And there's a sense that, uh, Maybe not us specifically, but the church as at large um, deserves some of that where we have done something wrong or we have not been great representatives of Christ as as people tend to be people and, you know, make mistakes. Um, is there a point where like some of that maybe is a little deserved? Um, some of the angry, uh, I think about like the the bullhorn guy on the side of the road with the sign that's yelling, you know, turn or burn kind of thing. Um, I don't wonder if that doesn't play into some of the cultural level uh, thoughts about Christians from from people outside of the church. What do you guys think about that?
1: Well, I think we tend to be people who stereotype Mm -hmm. uh, other others uh, and, and place them into categories. And then we we try to place everybody within a certain category. And so the media has certainly portrayed Christians over the last, uh, I would say, over the last quarter of a century, if not maybe the last half a century, I think much of the media has portrayed Christianity as being this very. Um, oh, I, I'm not even sure the word I would use. I, I don't know what "dogmatic" is the the word that I, I'm I'm wanting to uh, to to use or not. Mm-hmm. But but this very in-your-face type. Of rabid uh, of fundamentalist type mm. of thing that uh, is very hostile. Mm. You know, and that's that is not the face. That's not the face of Christ. That's not the face of Christians. Mm. Now, I recognize there have been some who have had that very militant attitude mm. um, that uh, has warranted that, maybe to some degree. But um, the majority of people that I know who are Christians are individuals who are good folks seeking to live for the Lord Mm -hmm. to the best of their ability. They want to share their hope in Christ. They want to express love to others. They are not out to be militant. They are not out to um, be... uh, um, well, Casey, I'm not expressing myself very well on this. But anyway, um, so, so John, in answer to your question, perhaps some of it, perhaps some of it has come about as a result yeah. of that. It's I, that vocal minority, how... right? Like yeah. there's
0: there's the, the yep. small amount that make a face, a bad face for all of us, even though, you know, when, when Christ is speaking to his disciples in John 14, what does he say? Well, they will know who you are by your love for each other, the love that you have for each other. And that that love characterizing what we believe and who we are, sometimes I feel like that gets drowned out. If there's a great persecution to me, it's this cultural level persecution of not acknowledging that so much of the Christian faith is about loving each other, caring for each other. You know, that, that so much of the foundations of early Christianity were caring for widows and orphans, caring for people who were very underserved and underloved within their culture. And now it feels like as soon as you say I'm a Christian, everybody envisions you on the street corner with the angry sign, yelling at people, you know, this sort of hateful vibe. Right. right? And, right. and that's unfortunate that like this small minority kind of paints that picture on a cultural level for all of us. And yeah.
1: Well, you know, as I think about this a little more thoroughly now, kind of running through my mind and I talk about the media uh, there, there is a scene that just popped into my mind that I think describes what we're talking about. Back in the 1970s, there was a very popular television show called The Waltons. Most of us have seen it in reruns. But there was one particular episode where in the small church there on Walton Mountain, uh, they were having a revival meeting, and this evangelist was a what was known as a hellfire brimstone type of evangelist Mm. and he was just up there yelling at the top of his lungs and he was even walking back in the aisle and in one particular scene the the father of the Waltons who was not certainly didn't profess any type of faith he was visiting and this evangelist just kind of got right in his face and was pretty much telling him you know how it was. And it was portrayed in such a bombastic way that you couldn't help but to think of how overbearing this guy was. Mm. And so I think a lot of people have this idea that has come through the media through the years is that Christians are wanting to force their faith down your throat Mm. type of thing. And obviously there has been a pushback towards that to some degree.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whenever you ask the question, do we deserve it? I got to be honest with you, I cringed. Why? <laughs> well, because I think, you know, do Christians deserve persecution? And I think, well, man, that – it's a tough pill to swallow to recognize we deserve a lot worse than that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, when when Paul was writing to the Romans, he described that we're all sinners, and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of our sin is death. Mm-hmm. And so, as Christians, you know, <laughs> we don't deserve anything. Anything good that we have is because of God's grace. And so, you know, in an in answer to a question, do do we deserve a lot of the persecution that's coming? Uh, you know, to those families that have that have lost loved ones because of t- because of persecution, uh, asking that question. Uh, that's just a. It seems you know, minor, by comparison, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, and it's just, yeah, you know, we do deserve it because we're imperfect people and we live in a fallen world, and uh, and and evil is out there, uh, but it's because of God's grace that we have hope in something beyond, uh, beyond that persecution, and and so that's why it kind of hit me because it's like, well, yeah, we do deserve it, but that's that's really hard to accept. Maybe, maybe I didn't phrase that well.
0: <laughs> no, I mean, you
1: phrased it perfectly. I mean, it really maybe. Me <laughs> I mean, I, that's a very pertinent question. Well, well, just stop and think for a moment. Um, Jesus, in the Beatitudes, in Matthew chapter 5, there, uh, verses 8 through 11, I believe it is, says, blessed are you, or blessed are those who are persecuted, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you. When men shall persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake, uh, great is your reward, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And then later Paul would write to Timothy that all who live godly in Christ will suffer persecution. In both of those cases, the statement was made, when? you suffer persecution, not Mm -hmm. if. Not if. This is not an either-or proposition. And here in the book of Acts, we find this persecution that begins here in Acts chapters 4 and 5, but it certainly was not the end of the persecution because you come over to Acts chapter 7 and you find the stoning of Stephen, the first Christian martyr, And then you come on in acts chapter 8 and because of persecution in jerusalem the disciples were forced to flee into samaria and into other regions it was actually persecution that brought about the spread of the gospel Hmm. throughout the ancient world acts chapter 12 verse 1 that james the brother of john was put to death by the sword so Persecution became a normal aspect of life for these early Christians. Whereas for us today, we need to realize here in the United States, particularly, the peace that we have enjoyed in our lifetime and uh, going back over the last century or so has been very, very rare within the big picture of the Christian faith. Mm. We often forget that persecution was not something just in the first century. But those individuals throughout history who have sought to bring about reform, who have sought to spread the word in various ways, think about Martin Luther, or you think about John Wycliffe who printed the first Bible, you know, these individuals were tortured because they bucked the system Mm. and when you and i go against the grain whether it be of the culture or sometimes even our own traditions persecution is a result of that Mm.
0: and certainly i'm not trying to paint a picture that the christian faith should become something that is is an easy pill to swallow because that's never been a, a characteristic of faith it's always been this is difficult to do this is difficult to choose Right, the reward is great. The value is immense. It's it's the greatest gift of all mankind, but it's never been an easy pill to swallow to to choose to follow Christ. And so I'm not trying to paint the picture that sure. that on a cultural level we should make this into something that can just be easily swallowed because it really it it never never ever will be. And and maybe that's just that's part of our persecution. But what's interesting about discussing persecution over the years is persecution actually causes the christian faith to thrive that's what's so interesting to me is that it's a given it's the bible by default says you're going to face the same thing that that everybody else faces right persecution is a given and yet by default almost anytime you see persecution throughout history or in, in different cultures in different ways the christian faith only tends to grow because despite that persecution
2: yeah yeah which makes me ask the question, you know, why, why do you suppose that it is, it's sometime avoided? Mm. You know, if, if we know that on an intellectual basis, um, you know, anything that would cause suffering would cause persecution, my instincts is to avoid that. Sure. And so, if Christianity as a whole, you know, the Scriptures tell us to expect persecution. Uh, we know that persecution can uh, bring about the the spread of the gospel. And so, why do you think we're still resistant to it?
1: Well, I think, um, as you say, none of us likes the idea of suffering. None of us. None of us likes the idea of physical. Pain or inconvenience or whatever it might be. We don't like the idea of being denied a privilege or a right, what we might consider to be a right. We certainly don't like the idea of our families being persecuted in whatever way it might occur. So we naturally, I think as a tendency of the flesh, want to avoid those situations. But, you know, going back to something you said, John, about those times of persecution being when the church has actually been strengthened, I think one of the reasons for that is because persecution really separates those who are serious about their faith in Jesus Christ from those for whom Christianity is merely a social uh, type of, um, of of of, uh, of commitment. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's more of a convenience type of thing. It's more what everybody else is doing. More of a you know status thing, or more of a just a traditional thing. Well, my parents did this. I'm doing this, mm-hmm. but. But when when persecution occurs that really makes you have to choose, are you going to go the route of resistance? Are you going to go against the grain of culture Mm -hmm. because of what you believe? That is the person who spiritually is going to grow in their faith. And I think that's why during times of persecution – it's almost like uh, pouring gas on a flame. It spreads. That's what happened there in the book of Acts.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, what was intended to douse the flame of Christianity actually ended up spreading the flame of mm-hmm. Christianity.
0: Yeah. And and what's interesting to me about that. <clears throat> so the earliest persecutions. It, I, I think about this concept of light. I think when you face. Evil and injustice and you see it in the world your immediate reaction as people is to look for something that provides light that provides hope and that is where the the christian message of jesus christ and the sacrifice for our sins and this hope of salvation it becomes even more apparent in the face of persecution yes it's almost like the light shines brightest in the darkness so when we when we face throughout the centuries, real intense, you know, physical persecution on a government level. The, I think it thrives because everyone says, this is injustice, what we're seeing and what's happening to us is very unfair. And that only makes the hope of Jesus even more bright. It's, it's, it's much brighter and, and we're able to see and experience that on a normal level. Whereas right now, you know, we're free to worship and do as we wish uh, the only real persecution being, a, a you know, more of a cultural, social one. But if you if you, if all of your friends are Christians then you don't really experience that or if you uh, have a really good workplace and you, you don't really have to worry about that. So the only one is a social one. And maybe that's where some of the struggle comes in, because it's like, well, everything's good. And maybe that means that the hope of salvation doesn't shine quite as bright to us because we don't have anything to compare it against. We don't have any great evil to compare it against that we face on a daily basis. We can see the great evils in the world. We can see war, we can see persecution of Christians in other countries, but we don't experience it firsthand. And so therefore the sense of the value of hope of salvation is sort of diminished because of that, because it's something we can just openly accept and be okay with.
2: Yeah. And I think this, this, uh, as we think about persecution and, um, you know, maybe in a society where there's not that physical persecution, but maybe the societal ostracization, you, th- you think about our kids that are in public schools, mm-hmm. uh, if you're an individual that is working in a secular job uh, where you're around people who are not Christians and, and, um, and whether that means you're not going to get, uh, you know, the, the promotions or the pay raises because of, you know, maybe your beliefs. And, and so there's, there's that type of persecution in a way, it, it brings us closer to the church uh, mm-hmm. because we think, well, you know, I, I I don't fit in in those situations because I am a Christian, but whenever I go to church, whenever I'm amongst God's people, uh, whenever I get to go to my Bible study, uh, those are people that are that are like me, and uh, and we find some some comfort, uh, and and I think it really draws the church closer together. And um, and so whenever we think about persecution, I think a lot of times we try to avoid it because uh, it causes discomfort. Uh, nobody wants to be uh, inconvenienced. Uh, but at the same time, that persecution is also what what drives us together as Christians. Uh, something that you had mentioned, Steve, whenever uh, Jesus was preaching his Sermon on the Mount, he was talking about, blessed are those who are persecuted. You know, yes. I think about prophets past that were, that were persecuted, and mm-hmm. I think about death. Daniel, you know, very much from a government standpoint, he was he was persecuted, being thrown into the lions. Then his his friends uh, being thrown into the fiery furnace. And uh, I think about those prophets like uh, like Jeremiah, like Elijah, who uh, who were persecuted because of their beliefs. And in some of those cases, they were persecuted by their by their own people. Um, and, uh, and then I think about in the time of uh, right after Jesus, uh, when, a, when the apostles were preaching, this verse has always stuck out to me whenever I think about persecution, at least in the first century. In Acts chapter 5 and verse 41, they had been arrested, they had been beaten, uh, and told not to continue preaching Jesus. And so they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name of and every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. And so they actually counted themselves worthy uh, in order to suffer this persecution. And that—that's just always blown my mind. That mindset. That uh, you know, whenever you experience persecution and whatever form it might take, if we can change our mindset into you know what, I- I'm worthy to suffer on behalf of Christ. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's
0: like now, I'm, now I'm. it's like a rite of passage. Mm. Now yeah, I'm, I, that's exactly I, I finally face in persecution. Uh-huh. And so I, that, that must be the stamp of approval because uh, you know, that's what Jesus says. Yep. A student is not greater than his master, right? Yeah. If they persecuted me, they, they will persecute yeah. you. And so it's like, well, you're, in, you're in good company now. Right. <laughs> you're with Jesus. Yeah. Like Jesus was persecuted. Yeah. If you are, Right. Great! That, yeah. yeah, that's amazing. I love well, that. Well, you
1: know, and that's that's kind of the uh, the idea that Peter uses <clears throat> when he uh, writes uh, his letters, First and Second Peter. He was writing to Christians who had been scattered throughout uh, the region again because of persecution, and I love the illustration he uses in First Peter one when he talks about faith being refined uh, as gold is refined by fire. You think about the refining process by which gold is melted down so the impurities might uh, rise to the top and be skimmed off, and then it is cooled, and then it's heated again, and each time it goes through the fire, impurities rise to the surface And the goldsmith will then take them off, you know, skim them off uh, until finally he can look into that vat of gold and he can see his own reflection. And I think this is the uh, purifying effect of persecution upon the church. It does skim off the impurities. It causes our faith to be strengthened until we come to resemble uh, Christ. Going back to Acts chapter 4, verse 13, notice what it says about these uh, disciples, about Peter and John. It says that as the, the council looked at them and recognized that they were uneducated and untrained men, mm-hmm. they took note of them as having been with Jesus. And it's during those times of trial in our lives that I think people will really take note of us as having been with jesus
0: that's and to me that's the key to the survival i was thinking about that same exact verse steve so that's funny you brought that up because i was you know asking the question like we're facing persecution all over the world how do we endure through that how do we make it through and still see the gospel spread and and you just brought up the key right there being with jesus the difference is what people see in us has to be uh, this difference of Jesus in our lives, this existence of Jesus in our lives and the spirit and trying to follow and, and be what it is that Christ called us to is the key to survival in persecution in the face of it. You know, so if we're going to move through that, if we're going to be able to see the gospel grow, not just survive, but to see the gospel grow, to see the church grow, we've got to be with Jesus. We've got to spend time with Jesus. That's got to be at the core of what we do and believe and think in every
2: part of our lives. Yeah. Yeah whenever i think about you know prayers in our public assembly one of the things that uh, we often pray and thank god for is being able to assemble without fear of persecution and um, and though i am thankful for that i also question is that is that really something that we should be thankful for especially given the Overwhelming number of scriptures that talk about how we're to expect persecution and if we're if we're living a life uh, that that Christ calls us to live that we that we will experience persecution and so uh, though I am thankful that we don't have that, uh, it almost makes me wonder this this idea of well, if we're not experiencing persecution, are we doing something wrong?
0: Have we gotten too comfortable yeah.
1: It's interesting you bring that uh, idea up have either of you read the book radical by david platt Hmm. Uh, that's been out for several years ago david platt uh, is a preacher in the uh, birmingham area he's a former uh, teacher i believe at new orleans theological uh, seminary but um, he tells just a fascinating story about going to southeast asia to a country where Christianity is outlawed, and he went to a a, a church gathering, a, a, a meeting, and people were having to come in wearing dark. It was at night, and they had to come in wearing dark uh, clothing and hoods over their 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 uh, heads so they would not be recognized. And when they came into this room, it was a very primitive building, concrete block building. Concrete floor, there were no chairs. People had to stand around, and they stood in a circle. They had whatever windows were covered so no one could see inside what they were having to do. And they began praying for some of their members who were in prison. And this wasn't just a prayer for a minute or two. They prayed for over an hour. And David said that at one point he looked down, and there was a pool of water in the middle of the floor and it was tears that were rolling down the cheeks of these 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 believers these christians as they were praying for their brethren who were in prison and david then talked about that with coming back to the united states to the church where he uh uh uh, speaks there in the birmingham area a megachurch
2: mm-hmm.
1: with theater seats and air conditioning and stage lighting and all of the trappings that we see in modern American church going. And he thought to himself, we have missed this. We have missed what this is all about. And I, I, I just can't help but to agree with that. Uh, I think we have surrounded ourselves with so many cultural comforts that we have forgotten that Christianity is not about our convenience it's not it's it's not about what makes us feel good it is about servanthood it's about dedication and all of these things it's about taking up our cross and following Jesus Matthew 16 24 and when we do those things, it is not going to be palatable mm-hmm. with society.
0: Yeah, that the idea of comfort, I think that's one that we should be very wary of. Uh, have we gotten too comfortable? That question. And I think that's something that we need to be asking on the sort of macro level with all of our churches and on a personal level, too. That, yes. That asking. Am I am I too comfortable? Is that why I won't talk to that coworker that I know may, you know, may be interested in Christ or that I've wanted to say something to? Is that why I won't talk to the friend, the student, the whatever it is about Christ, because I know that that's going to cause some discomfort that maybe they decide, well, I don't want to be your friend or I don't want to be around you anymore. Or It gets weird because now you've brought this elephant into the room and it's like, are, are we too comfortable in our everyday lives, that we're we're not willing to face a little bit of that, yes. and and know that that's exactly what we should be feeling and and experiencing, because that's the message of the gospel. It's beautiful and amazing, but it also it can bring a little discomfort. Uh, it can bring a lot of discomfort to the lives of people who ha- have a lot of things to turn away from and and move through. And certainly, we all do.
1: Well, there in Acts five uh, verse twenty nine, we find this statement: "When all of this." persecution that is going on with these early disciples, particularly Peter and John, kind of comes to a head, and they are confronted by the uh, Jewish council about, you know, we've warned you, we've told you now, uh, and then Peter makes this statement, we must obey God rather than men. I... I'm like Amos. Amos said, I'm not a prophet or a son of a prophet. Okay. So I'm not a prophet. I'm not a son of a prophet. But I, I I do believe in our culture, in our country here in the United States, I I don't see the situation getting better. Uh, I don't mean that from a pessimistic standpoint, but I believe we are entering into a time when Christians are going to find our faith challenged to a greater extent socially, economically, and in terms of just basic human rights than we have ever experienced before. Mm-hmm. And I believe the uh, freedoms that we have experienced from a religious perspective, you mentioned this, Casey, the the person that prays, thank you for the ability to come together like this. I don't know how long we're going to have that. I mean, there is legislation on the books in some places throughout our country where if you say certain things that are directed towards certain behaviors, that is automatically labeled as hate speech, Mm -hmm. and churches can lose tax-exempt status. And things such as this so so I'm I'm I think there is a real possibility that our children our grandchildren are going to be faced with a very different culture uh, in terms of freedom that we've had and that we've taken for granted mm.
0: and and the beauty of that is that they will be in good company they will, they will be among many brethren over the thousands of years that our faith has been in existence who have faced this and even worse. And so maybe we need to take the approach of uh, the Christians in Acts 5 that say, man, I'm, I'm thankful that we we've been counted among those worthy of being persecuted. Exactly. <laughs> you know? And,
1: you know, as I think about that, you know, there's a part of my mind that thinks I'm not so sure, but what that's maybe a good thing. Because I do believe it will refine our faith, and it will get us back to what is truly important about the gospel and about our lives, rather than some of the fluff that... is currently and has been passed off as as christianity
2: Mm -hmm. and refining our faith that you know we've we've talked a little bit about the prophets in the first century and persecution now uh looking back just a few centuries after christ whenever constantine legalized christianity um you know, it it there was this influx of people coming into the church because all of a sudden uh, Christianity was accepted by the emperor, and there was you know these uh, there was tax benefits for uh, for Christianity, and the, you know there was all these people coming to Christianity because all of a sudden it was it was a you know no nothing to worry about kind of thing, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and so now as we as we think about the the possibility of kind of the reverse of that happening, and and uh, you know maybe in in a where that's becoming less and less acceptable, uh, how, do we, how do we overcome the fear that, uh, of persecution? In other words, you know, there was an influx of Christianity, and so if, if that is turned around and there's actually government persecution of Christianity, and naturally I would assume that there's going to be a, a rush of people. Getting out of Christianity, mm-hmm. and so how do we how do we prepare people for that possibility? How do we and uh, you know prepare people to overcome uh, that fear? Because as you look throughout scriptures, fear uh, blinds us from God, mm-hmm. and and fear certainly turns us away and causes us to forget God. And so how do we how do we get our people beyond that fear and and teach them to overcome? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Well, I think Casey, the words of an old old song that begins this world is not my home. I think a lot of us today have forgotten that this life here on earth is temporary. God God has something so much better for us. Than what is here and now, but we 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 put down so many roots here and now in this life, and we feel so threatened when th- there's the possibility that those things can be taken from us. But w- w- the the early disciples they had this realization that waiting for them was something that was so much better. Read the book of Revelation, and you find those who were martyred for their faith and how they were given this special place of honor because they had resisted to the point of death. And in fact, that's what Jesus told the early church, you know, the seven churches in Revelation 2 and 3, be faithful to death, and I'll give you the crown of life. So we need to remember that there's a lot more to life than just this world, and uh, uh, this world isn't home. And if I lose my life physically because I am taking a stand for Christ, let me tell you what—it's just graduation to glory, fellas. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, my my response to that question is: um, as darkness grows, the the need to remember the light becomes even greater.
1: Exactly. I think
0: focusing on the actual hope of salvation, the 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 core to the whole story, to our whole faith, is also the answer to facing persecution. Whatever the days lie ahead. I know that we can face them because we have hope in Jesus
1: and precisely as,
0: as Christians and we're facing more and more persecution um, as that grows, we've got to continue and increase our focus on hope of salvation and the hope of Jesus Christ and just focusing on the light. Um, and if we continue to walk in that light and draw from that, no matter how great the darkness gets, it, it will not overcome the
1: light. Precisely.
0: Well, guys, I think that's a a good place to kind of draw this to a close. Uh, We appreciate everyone for joining us today for Outside the Walls. If you have any questions or comments or thoughts you want to share with us, send those over to questions at WSChurch.net. But for now, we're thankful that you've joined us and we hope you have a wonderful day.
1: God bless.